0: Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a Thursday, April 21st, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. On today's show, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Uh, The full ride with Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. To talk about all things college football, uh, the big highlight this week that we hit on are the top transfer quarterbacks and how we rank them in their new situation. So that was fun. Uh, if Stetson Bennett's actually underrated in terms of past uh, past national champion quarterbacks, so we dive into that a little bit. Georgia's championship rings and uh, a lot of good fun college football stuff. Uh, kick things off here. Then we have... Uh, some Nebraska talk. Yeah, Nebraska with Brandon Vogel of Hail Varsity. Very good website and magazine and all that good stuff. Uh, HaleVarsity.com. Go check that out if you've not already done so. Uh, Brandon and I talk all things Nebraska, Scott Frost, uh, Adrian Martinez, uh, the the Frost era to this point, um, where things are headed this year, Casey Thompson, all that and more there. And then we wrap with uh, some Colorado Rockies. Yeah, Colorado Rockies who are off to a great start. 8-4 and four as of... This recording, which is pretty cool, uh, if you're a Rockies fan uh, right now. So, Susie Hunter of DMBR Sports and uh, that great network uh, who covers uh, the local teams in Denver exceptionally well. Um, so excited to have her on the podcast to talk all things Rockies and uh, her traveling because she traveled and saw uh, every MLB ballpark. So, it's cool to get her perspective on what she saw there and all that good stuff. So, jam-packed show for you guys today um don't forget folks if you'd like to read me guess what yeah you can read me sports renaissance type in your email that simple wrote about caleb herring and what he means to the tennessee volunteers uh recruiting class for 2023 as we continue to move up the rankings exciting times uh, all across the board because as people forget um Tennessee's at everything school, and uh, it's really cool to see uh, more progress, so if you're not aboard the hype train, make sure that you jump on sooner rather than later, but yeah, you can read that at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com, take an email, that simple. Um, You can also support this very program, yeah, it's very easy, uh, by hitting that pause button right now and leaving this show, a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts, if you leave a... Review um, on this very program on Apple Podcasts. And uh, I see it, then guess what? I'll read it out on this very program and during the intro and uh, all that good stuff. So go ahead and do that today, and uh, you'll hear your comment and review on a future episode. So there you go. Uh, you can also email this program, chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. You can also, oh, more stuff. Yeah, more stuff, youtube.com. You can watch this very program, the Chase Thomas Podcast. That simple, that easy. Go ahead and do that today. So that you uh, can watch it if you prefer to watch other than uh, than listening to it. So yeah, follow me on Twitter, Chase underscore Thomas, and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast the Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, My nephew needs me of course. See,
1: I hate I already hate it. I hate it.
0: Alright, we're back here on the full ride with fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green he's got all three banners situated behind him this week he's wearing a non-braves or georgia shirt so it's kind of throwing me for a loop it's it's a lot of change really quickly but i uh i'm about it matt green what color is that shirt as a colorblind man i don't even know what color that is
1: um i would say it's a uh i don't know uh faded uh, light blue i don't know i don't i don't care it's not carolina blue it's kind of a little grayer than that but Mm -hmm. uh yeah nice nice just plain shirt you know yeah it's it's, it's my new wardrobe now you know i got so many t-shirts with logos and stuff that you feel weird uh, just a plain shirt you can wear it like anywhere like you can wear it to a uh, family occasion you don't mm-hmm. have to like, get dressed up but like you can't just rock your shirt that says dave matthews band or something to like you know you feel w- that you gotta have a dress up more than that but just a plain shirt it's it's quality how many band t-shirts do you still have um not many i feel like uh just just it just fades out of the repertoire <laughs> you know so you gotta you gotta cut them loose if you're not rocking them you gotta you gotta cut them loose do you own a suit of course, man. Okay. A, How many do you got have? You gotta own a suit. I got two. Two? I need, I need another one. I need a solid... I need like a blue one. I feel like that uh, really... Wait, what
0: colors do you have if you don't have blue? Black I have I have a
1: black one and, and then I have like a black one that grayish that's got like some pinstripes in it kind of okay. a little bit, like a little subtle, but... That's, I feel like that's like my funeral suit, it feels oh. like. So it doesn't feel like nice because the only time I ever wore it was going to funerals. So it's Oh, I like... thought you
0: meant your own. Like you've already laid out.
1: Like, <laughs> I was like, oh.
0: That's really bleak. Get
1: that one uh, st- <laughs> stored away for a few years. That's Longer wild.
0: than that. That was really creepy. I was like, Matt, nah, that's the strangest thing I've heard on a podcast that, in a long time. That's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. How is, uh, how is Zeus? How is uh, Maddox? Are they still doing pretty well over the last week? Anything new with those two?
1: Uh, there's not, man. They're uh, they're excellent, like always. Tori's got a birthday coming up this weekend, though, so okay. uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to do something cool. So,
0: Do you have anything planned?
1: I don't have anything planned. i got a quality gift that's uh, already set up. And, um, you can't reveal it because she listens to the Tori's pod. Tori's listening to the pod, exactly.
0: But a big gift. You have a big one.
1: I like a huge gift. I just know she's going to like it. So, okay. It's, it's going to be quality.
0: It's not a trash compactor or anything like well, that, do... right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know she's in want a vacuum cleaner. So, no. <laughs> Honestly, she would probably like that as a gift. But uh but uh that's a gift a... you get
0: on a Tuesday in yeah. in June. That's not a birthday gift, Matt. Don't do no, it. No,
1: not at all. No, no. That was a joke, of course. Yeah.
0: Um well, I also just had a birthday. I am 31 years old as of Monday. Um. Just too, wild too. times. We are very much. I don't think
1: our... I realized that. I didn't give you any happy birthday. I apologize. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I wasn't feeling great, and I've been dealing with a, a
0: sore neck and uh, shoulder issues, so I haven't been able to run. That's been driving me nuts. Um, uh, but it's been better. Uh, knock on wood, the last two days. But yeah, I as the sports renaissance woman reminded me, Matt, I am closer to forty than I am twenty, which is just a wild mm. wild thought
1: yeah welcome to the club man i it's who, it,
0: who we are now it is who we are but i'm ready for it like we're we talk about what color shade of blue our t-shirts are now um we we, we we're just washed that's just where we're at at this point Um <laughs> but i'm okay with it i'm okay with father time i'm wearing my gray new balance as we speak um nigel the nighthawk though he he made a delivery He dropped some news, some news nuggets for us, and I wanted to pick your brain about this. So Texas stole um, the wideout, who I was very excited about, who was committed briefly to transfer from Wyoming to Tennessee, Isaiah Nair, and he is now he flipped the last minute to Texas. Now you have uh, Hall, who clearly had a falling out with. Um, Saban. It's like Texas is now becoming like if you had a falling out with Saban, you join Sark staff because didn't Billingsley also wind up at Texas? Am I misremembering that? Yeah, Bil-
1: yeah, Billingsley, and then two guys last year uh, mm-hmm. too in the 2021 uh, from Alabama to Texas too. So
0: it's like if you go to the Nick Saban doghouse, like Saban or uh, Sark's like, come on over. We're good. Like uh, that, that guy Saban just doesn't understand. Uh, and well, it, whatever you want right here in Austin, They're, Texas.
1: Well, it, it's not going to last much longer. If this mm. is the pipeline they wanted, it's like now they can't go to SEC schools if they want to be eligible for 2022. So that's why Texas is shitting over here. Come, come on. Come on over here. Well, you can play yeah. right now. But uh, when Texas in the SEC, they won't be able to just get Alabama scraps like this.
0: Wait, is that how? Is that the rule?
1: Unless they change it, yeah, it's like after like February first or something like that. Like huh. you can't, you can't be eligible immediately in the SEC if you do that. If you do that, is it only SEC that has that rule? I think it's just an SEC rule. Yeah, I didn't. Know, I forgot about that. Like that. that is yeah. So anyone it. that's transferring right now is not eligible for twenty twenty two. Like like Amarius Mims, like mm-hmm. that was another big news this week. marius Mims went to the portal. So a lot of people thought he was going to go to Miami or Florida State so he could play right away, but he's actually taking his name out of the portal and staying at Georgia. So that's pretty big.
0: Yeah. Um great win for Georgia. Happy to see it. Um <laughs> spring game talk. You really want to talk Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Florida. Did you watch any like spring game snap i didn't even watch the snaps for tennessee and it's unfortunate because i would have gone if we were able to have it at Nealon. but because Nealon is under construction they did not uh have the orange and white game uh in the coliseum this year they had it at haslam field and just kind of closed off and wasn't a wasn't a big thing so it was really just like reading the reports and when you're in everything school your mind's kind of all (laughs) over the place because when you're the number one baseball team in the country and um just i don't know it's just uh, we got sports that have our attention uh year-round and it's just hard to give too much focus to the football team in the spring like other universities where they don't have that uh that
1: just blessing of always
0: having good teams on the field at all times
1: for those uh for those listening on on the that don't aren't watching the video uh, that's that's one mention of everything school so far in this episode. I'll, I'll just keep a count of that right there. But, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that about Tennessee. So that's um, – I didn't uh, – I haven't heard much about Tennessee's spring game probably for mm-hmm. that reason. So, obviously, I watched Georgia's spring game more than anybody else. Um, one thing that stood out in Alabama's spring game, I guess you saw – oh, shoot, now I'm – Jalen Milrow mm-hmm. looking like Derrick Henry playing quarterback. Like, that dude is just jacked. So mm-hmm. – if anything happens to Bryce Young, like this guy. Well, Ty
0: Simpson looked good. I watched some of his throws. He's going to be a player. I think he's probably next in line at Bama.
1: They, so, honestly, I don't know. Milrow okay. could, Milrow, because he's a true freshman, right, Simpson? Mm-hmm. He, he's like an early yes. enrollee right now. So, we'll see. It it, it kind of depends on, you know, what his ability is for sure. But um, that's why I feel like Arch Manning, <laughs> I'd watch out. Alabama and Arch Manning, Bryce Young. He's going to go pro, right? He's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, this is it. He's, he's going definitely number going number pro. Number, yeah. So, Alabama wide open quarterback room. That feels still feels like the destination for Arch Manning to me. But, mm-hmm. um, Georgia spring game, Eric Gilbert is the one that stole the show. Like, that's what everybody mm-hmm. wanted to see. And this guy, he's just a freak. Like, different. There's varying reports on how out of shape he actually got to, if he's like 270, 280, or something like that. But. Supposedly, he's like 250, 260 right now, and he just looks like an absolute monster. Like, call him a tight end, call him a wide receiver, whatever you want to call him. Like, George is just going to be loaded with weapons. Like, and even Oscar Delp, the true freshman, like, he was a top 50 ranked recruit coming out of high school. Like, he he almost looked like Brock Bowers. Like, George has four tight ends that are just absurdly good. I think George has got a lot of weapons. I, I don't, I worry about how they're not necessarily thin at receiver. They're thin on like proven receivers like AD mm-hmm. Mitchell. I feel like they have like solid, like six, seven potential weapons. Karis Jackson back. Yeah. Kiaris Jackson, because he also came into the year with an injury last year. So mm-hmm. he kind of lost a step. So Dominic Blaylock back, mm-hmm. like Arian Smith is a guy who's just flashed like home run ability, but he can't stay on the field. Like, if AD Mitchell gets hurt, I just worry about everyone else. Like they mm-hmm. they should have like a solid a solid core there, but with the tight ends, I feel like they just have so many weapons offensively.
0: Do you think it's going to be a really tight end heavy personnel grouping like you're, you're going to see a lot of two tight ends like out there like with Bowers and Gilbert like are is that going to be the bread and butter with t- like it doesn't really matter what the wide out situation really is because They're gonna do that? Is that something that Stetson's gonna do? He's gonna prioritize Bowers and Gilbert. And like that's that's the not the ethos of the offense, but that's more of like the sets that they're gonna be most comfortable attacking in?
1: That's kind of how it feels. Like it feels like they're they're you call them tight ends if you want, but they're just weapons. Mm. You know, they're they're just dynamic playmakers. So it feels like like the way you always saw James Cook get a linebacker matched up on a one-on-one and just go out to the outside and just beat a guy up the sideline. I feel like you, you can see all, all of the tight ends being used, like, the same way. Like, maybe Washington's more of a red zone threat. But, like, Brock Bowers, like, this guy just catches screen passes. Like, just throw it to him and he'll make, catches after the, make plays after the catch. And Gilbert just seems – he's just a matchup nightmare. So, like, mm-hmm. I just can't imagine a team that can really guard all of those guys one-on-one because they just seem, like, just such – matchup problems like you saw georgia run three tight ends last year with bowers washington and john fitzpatrick at times Mm -hmm. and no disrespect to john fitzpatrick (laughs) but he is not eric gilbert so Mm -hmm. you know there's going to be plenty of times where they're playing on the line there's going to be plenty of times where bowers and gilbert are are going out wide too just just to create space because they're got they're just they're just going to be matchup problems and i think you're going to see an even more explosive like we saw a taste of what georgia could do last year offensively i mean they average almost 40 points a game where it felt like they weren't really playing offense for four quarters most games like because that defense was so dominant like if this defense is giving up you know 20 points a game this year and Georgia actually has to play offense for four quarters like we might see even more impressive offensive numbers than they put up last year and Stetson Bennett has to be you know more comfortable i would imagine in his second year as the starter
0: yeah, well, speaking of Stetson, what did uh, the other quarterbacks look like? It seemed like I saw a lot of praise for Carson and a lot of praise for Vandegrift, that, like, Vandegrift had the most arm talent uh, in the see, spring. Did I, you see the same thing?
1: I disagree. I think mm-hmm. Vandegrift is kind of who I expected to ch- – if someone was going to challenge Stetson, I expected it to be Vandegrift. Mm-hmm. After the spring game, which which is just one scrimmage, you know, they have four or five scrimmages all throughout spring – so it's just the one we got to see, but I thought Beck looked much more impressive than Vandergriff. Mm. Like Be- Vandergriff's an athlete, so he he boasted a busted a couple like big runs, but there's also like it was weird with like the the non-contact jerseys. There's guys wearing white. So mm-hmm. it's red versus black. Guys wearing so like a safety is wearing white, and like a running back's busting a, a run up to the secondary, and then it's like oh the safety's here. It's just kind of two hand touch, and now the play ends. It's like mm-hmm. get this, get this guy out of the field. I want to see people tackle. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it I was I was really impressed. Like on the very first play, Beck had, he, he hit a uh, Aaron Smith for like a seventy yard bomb. So that was big. I think Beck was the one that really impressed a lot. But Beck was also going against the second team defense, whereas Vanekurf was going against the first team defense. So it's a uh, it's tough to say. But I think uh, I think Stetson. I think you should probably safely say that Stetson's still the the starter, I would think.
0: Yeah, I mean, Stetson's... He won the title. Like, Stetson's starting. He's going to have to play poorly and give up the job. Like, I don't think it's an actual competition this spring. I think it's more of, like, in-game changes where it's, like, he struggles or he, like, implodes against Oregon or something. Like, maybe then you have a conversation, like... It's going to take,
1: yeah, a bad play in the actual season, for sure.
0: Right. Um... Well, you did give me some grief, Matt Green, about Josh Heupel, and when I put the Josh Heupel effect uh, with our friend of the pod, Graham Coffee, and you got some more Georgia fans in my mentions about this, and I, I don't like it, because Georgia fans, <laughs> uh, just some of them, they just drive me nuts, but... Um, well, I didn't
1: know where you were going with
0: it. I it was, was a like, tongue-in-cheek thing. Yeah, we're talking about t-
1: Alabama and Georgia's offenses, and we're talking about the Hypel effect? What is, what is this? You think what hypo I'm is- saying, <laughs> it's the offensive
0: style. And this is something that Graham and you guys made a good point about, was just that, like, and this is what I'm so curious, as Georgia continues to evolve in the post-Kirby having full control of the offense. Like they're going to get more and more away from the ground and pound and the slow and steady wins the race because you want to protect the defense, protect the defense. Like we have defense defenses, our identity and it seems like Georgia is moving more and more towards the offense being their identity. And like, just the, like we're going to see Todd Monken get more and more power here a little bit and just kind of like saving. It's like, you don't think of Alabama and their defense, like Will Anderson's a great player and maybe should have won the Heisman this past year, but Ultimately it's still defined by the Bryce Young, the Tua's, the Mac Jones, and those guys. And I think that's gonna eventually happen uh, with Georgia, and that might have been it. Like last year might have been the the Mount Everest moment for Georgia's defense where it's like that is the best you'll ever see it in the Kirby Smart era. Like that's an all-time great unit, great players all across the board, all this great collection of talent. But now you got to get back to like, oh, when you don't have that and it's the attrition and everything else where it's like, oh, you still like you're going to be in some shootouts this year. And now you're going to be up against. It. And if you're scoring fast, which is what I was just joking about with the hypo effect is like we scored in the first play of the game against Kentucky and Kentucky then had their slow and steady and the back and forth and dichotomy. It's where it's like you can listen to hypo interviews or this kind of style where it just it really wrecks these linemen offensive and defensive to have them on the field for that many plays. So if you're a quick strike offense and you are prioritizing the big play a lot more and you're like, Oh, I love this matchup for 80 Mitchell and he can go for 70 yards here and a score. And then we throw our defense back on the field. Like you can have a good defense. And it, this is something that Lincoln Riley and coaches like this have had to figure out. Cause Alex Grinch, it's all about havoc and turnover plays. So it's like our offense is going to score a lot, put us in bad positions all the time. But we'll rely on our turnover margin. Like, we'll rely on getting enough turnovers to win that battle, give up a bunch of yards. That's fine. But we'll win because we, get, we win in the turnover margin. We, we wreck havoc. I think you're going to see more of that. In Tennessee, like, part of them getting to the ultimate point is that, like, the it's great to have a bunch of big plays and to have this electric offense. But the defenses do get tired. Plays matter. Snaps matter. And that was just my point. It's just that, like, Georgia, if their offense is – more big play driven next year with the changes on defense i'm curious to see what the drop-off is and what they give up in points and just yards i think it's just going to be a different type thing
1: well i think georgia i think there's definitely truth to what you're saying like a lot of teams you know want to score and if you can see what these dynamic offenses do to the modern defenses there's mm-hmm. very few of them that can stop these offenses but I don't ever think you're going to see Kirby Smart not value defense first and foremost. Like Mm. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm convinced that Kirby Smart was always the brains behind the Alabama defense more than Nick Saban. Like to hear Nick Saban two years ago, say the era of good defense beating good offense is over. Like Mm. it's over. And for Kirby Smart to say, Literally before this season started, we don't think it's crazy that we can hold a team less than thirteen to less than thirteen points a game. We don't think it's crazy that we can hold a team under thirteen points every single game we play. So the fact that that's a very different mindset that Saban has given up on having dominant defenses. He's 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 subscribed to what you have. Like we got to outscore everybody we play and we'll never lose. And it's worked out really well for Nick Saban doing it both ways. But Kirby Smart, like, yeah, this could be the greatest defense he ever has, but it's also like the second recruiting class he ever had that became seniors. Like, I don't think you're ever going to see. And I think that's what so many people lose about great offense. Like, great offense equals great passing game. It's like that's not the same thing. You can have a great offense and be balanced. I think, like, it's cool to have the uh, the number one scoring offense and the number a top five scoring offense, but if you're if you are doing like what you're talking about LSU 2019, the margin for error is just so much smaller if your defense is giving mm-hmm. up 28 points every single game. Like I mean, that's offense, what we saw with LSU, exactly. And there, that's maybe the greatest offense ever, and it mm-hmm. worked. You know, like you saw auburn with like the 40th 50th ranked defense or something with cam newton that offense was just so amazing it didn't matter how mediocre the defense was but i think georgia i don't think because of who kirby smart is at his core i don't think he's conceded that at all so Hmm. i think you're going to see georgia still have a balanced approach like as as good as georgia's offense was last year i feel like not enough credit is given that, like, the handcuffs were 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 basically on them for the last quarter and a half of 90% of their regular season games. Like, this team could have easily scored 45, 48 points per game, like, just leaving the starters in for another possession every game. So I think Todd Monkin, like, and the whole narrative of, like, oh, if Kirby will just get out of the way of the offensive <laughs> coordinator, like, like, he's not, like, a football coach that knows exactly what he's doing, right? Like, like, Todd Monken, I did feel like just... He's one of the best play callers in the entire country. And so I just... I have a lot of faith. And just with Georgia's weapons, you... The running game is one thing. With Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh, not that it just became a whole Georgia preview for the season, but I uh they haven't necessarily stayed healthy their whole career. So with them being the top two guys, like, this being their year, their they're cook-in-white, uh Chubb-Michelle-type year, like... It's a lot riding on two guys that haven't necessarily stayed healthy for a whole season since they've been at Georgia.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um I think Georgia's going to be fine either way. What did uh speaking of Georgia, what did you think of the rings? Cuz people had some takes on uh on the championship rings cuz they were very tame. They're very like they were the antithesis of the Braves championship rings where it was like we're making this as obnoxious and as large <laughs> and as grandiose as humanly possible. And Georgia was like let's make our championship ring similar to khaki's the khaki pants of uh championship rings which hey it it's a ring that you can wear and it will be a normal looking ring oh you can That's wear that what out I and thought. yeah
1: like they're all the rings now are like so like gaudy like yeah. the the Braves won't even seemed like a reasonable size like some of these Tom Brady rings it's like they're the size of like 3 of his fingers it's like mm-hmm. you can't actually <laughs> wear that in a function you know like it's gonna be gaudy, but like you should still be able to wear it. So mm. I thought Georgia's looked good. Like seeing them, how they had them matched up with some of the, all the college football playoff rings. Mm-hmm. I felt like Georgia's logo looked the clearest. Like some of them threw the, threw the stones into the logo. It didn't look as like I don't know as clean. I, mm. I, I was a, I was a big fan of it. I thought they definitely. I was surprised they didn't get like nineteen hundred and eighty you know, diamonds and something, you know, because the 1980 stuff had just been going on for so long. I, I, they did have like the first championship in 41 years, like in the inside Mm -hmm. of it. But, but yeah, it was not like the Braves. The Braves just went, the fact that it opened on the inside, like that was, that into just, into just more (laughs) craziness. Uh, Yeah, that, that was, that was wild. But yeah, a big fan of both of them for sure. There you go i want to get like posters of them honestly just like the do you get, the, get those rings somewhere like display them like because mm-hmm. it was it was dope to see all what all the uh like all the little meanings had like the, the braves went all out with that how many mm-hmm. home runs they hit in the world series in the postseason that thing so
0: yeah it was cool for sure for sure um it brings me no pleasure to say that we do have one other Georgia thing because you can always tell who uh, is leading the show sheet on the full ride every single <laughs> week based on like how things are going where I've only gotten 30 minutes in almost uh, one mention of the everything school. So, you know that I'm not the, the leader in the clubhouse this week. Now, the guy driving driving this train this week is Matt Green um that's two if you're counting along at home no that doesn't count that was <laughs> that doesn't count no hold on that does not count that was a <laughs> gimme that was just a to preface this um is Stetson Bennett the most
1: disre- I can't even say this is straight face is I'll, Stets- I'll say I'll say it here is Stetson Bennett the most disrespected national championship quarterback of all time oh god here what, are, go. what are your thoughts sir
0: uh I mean no no like what, I mean, he's he's not even more disrespected than T.
1: Martin, who won in '98. Because it, I'm glad you brought up T. Martin. I was looking mm-hmm. at the, I was looking at those numbers, and I was, it was not impressive.
0: No, they're not. But it was also a completely different era. It's just I want to throw That's out true. most quarterback stuff. Like, just think about what Alabama was winning with at quarterback 15 years ago versus even five years ago. It's just, it's really hard to compare the sport and quarterback play, especially. Uh, in 1998 to now. Well, like... to
1: be fair, I only went BCS era to college football playoff yeah. era. But I would say of of the BCS and college football playoff mm. era, there are only nine quarterbacks, national championship quarterbacks, that I would say are clearly better than Stetson Bennett. Okay. All right, I'm going to read these off to you. we got Cam Newton, uh-huh. Joe Burrow, Tim Tebow, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence... Vince Young, mm-hmm. Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson, and Ohio State in 2014. Mm-hmm. Just whoever you want, whatever you want to call their quarterback situation. And honestly, and Alabama 2017. I guess Tua and Hurts together. That was better. Like their stats were honestly comparable. Like if you if you look at it. But I'll, I'll give you that one too, because. Hertz had big rushing numbers too. Mm -hmm. So basically of the last 22 years, there's only 10 championship quarterbacks that you can really say unequivocally are better than Stetson Bennett. Like I'm going through here. Chris Winky. this guy won the Heisman. You should see these numbers that this guy won the Heisman with. Ken Dorsey, we all know what Ken Dorsey was. He was a a game manager on a super loaded roster right this guy was finished second in the heisman and third in the heisman like matt mm-hmm. liner matt Leiner is the same thing matt Leiner is the same thing as ken dorsey he's uh, dude I, are those not some of the most loaded teams of all time those usc teams
0: i, I mean liner was a first-round quarterback like he was still he was also block. a
1: terrible pick <laughs> but, I mean, Stetson's not getting drafted. Like, I don't think those are the two... That's my point. The most disrespected quarterback ever, Matt Leiner. What, what were his numbers?
0: He was not uh, great in the NFL. He was not
1: great. He was 33 not a- touchdowns and 6 picks. Stetson yeah. was at 29 touchdowns and 7 picks. Mm-hmm. One of those guys won a Heisman, and one of those people were talking about benching in the second half of the National Championship game. It's just, it's kind of crazy when you go through it. Like, seeing A.J. McCarron... 28 touchdowns, 7 picks, finished second in the Heisman with those numbers. Those are almost identical numbers to what Stetson Bennett did. Like mm-hmm. and this guy's you, you like you just said he's not getting drafted. Like he's not we don't even know if he's going to be the starter. Like not everyone is sold that he's going to be the starter coming back. Like it's just it's wild to me like how much disrespect he gets like it's treated like a Trent Dilfer like he's Craig Krenzel or something like Craig Krenzel I don't even think he gets as most disrespect as uh there was no quarterback controversy when Craig Krenzel came back in 2003 and he he threw 12 touchdowns and seven picks like Craig and it was a dominant defense that that won the game yeah won that won the championship so it's it's just interesting how Stetson's talked about. We all know how loaded George's defense was last year, but the offense was also super productive. Like the guy he threw... falls in the
0: Cardell Jones category to me. That's who he feels like his closest modern title winning quarterback comp is Cardell Jones. I think
1: see but Cardell Jones played three games. Like Stetson was well, what in I'm saying the is like, year. it was just this
0: miraculous run where you're, like everything aligned. He was the right guy at the right time with this miraculous moment. He had so much talent around him he was someone who was not going to be like a three-year starter at Ohio State. He was not the chosen one, and it just kind of worked out like that. He was not going to be a long-term NFL guy. Like that was never going to be in the cards. But I, I think Cardell is actually the closest to Stetson.
1: But the collectively that year, Ohio State—I'll even give them the edge because it was mm. like with Barrett and Cardell Jones, it was like forty touchdowns or something like that. So mm. also, you look at quarterbacks that haven't won championships. Like I was looking at Mackenzie Milton. Mm. Finished finished six in the Heisman with twenty five touchdowns and six picks in twenty eighteen. Like these are this is the era of modern offenses. This guy's throwing twenty five touchdowns against the AAC, and he's getting Heisman votes. People are trying to bench Stetson Bennett. Like it's it's wild to me how uh, how much disrespect he gets. So I uh, I'm not I'm not saying Stetson should should be go should go first round or that he should even get Heisman votes. But, uh, I don't, I don't think enough is, is, is given to enough credit is given to how well he's actually played. Like, like, like this guy and he's like the whole walk on thing. Yeah, that's cool. But like, he's been on scholarship for like three or four years now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, he's not just some bum. Like he actually is a a good quarterback. So I think there's a chance that JC Daniels leaves and he's also a good quarterback, but, uh, I, uh, I just see all the all the talk about Stetson Bennett and I gotta I gotta gotta get on my soapbox here.
0: If I was Stetson, I wouldn't have come back. I will say that. Like I would have ridden out like you're never gonna top the Good Morning America appearance, like still just obliterated from the the partying the night before where it's like most teams don't repeat, like that's just not something that happens very often in college football. Like Saban's only done it once, right? Like over his entire career here at Alabama, like it's a very, very difficult thing to go back to back. And the college football playoff makes it even more difficult uh, to run the gauntlet in back to back years. So it seems like it's it it's very unlikely but, this season ends get, great for Stetson.
1: But does he get drafted? No. Last year. No. If he leaves. So it's like, why, what are you leaving? Well, I mean, for? just the, you, the I,
0: you run, like you, you just go out on the best terms possible. Like you're a legend and people's lasting memory is you won the title as a walk-on. And it was just the all time great moment. You won a, the first championships in 41 years. Now you come back and if you're not good and then they blame the follow-up year on you because you come back down to earth and you just, you really struggle on your bench. And it's like, he's not even the starter at the end of next year. Like, That's a, that's a tough thing. I I don't know. I I would not want that to be my lasting memory after just the highs of highs that he had.
1: But listen to what you just said. Like, why is that a possibility? Like with the way he played last year, like, why is it a possibility that he's going to play terrible and get benched? I didn't say terrible,
0: but I'm saying it just, it ends with a loss. This year will end with a loss with him.
1: I'm not criticizing you specifically, but like that's mm-hmm. the narrative around Stetson. It's like he should have left because he's going to come back next year and play like shit. It's i like, didn't say that. No, no, it's there's, like, not a, no there's not that but that's extreme. That's how some that's how some mm-hmm. people feel. Like it's it's like you're going to come back and you're it's going to. I don't know, like Cinderella, like clock's going to strike midnight and you're going to go back to being the the normal walk on that you that you were.
0: I mean, Hooker could fall off a cliff. He could just like he may have been just like it, it all worked out and people have got a full year of film on him and he is not the same quarterback that he was for Tennessee when he stepped in for Milton. Like that's a possibility. Hooker could fall off a cliff. Like no, I don't that's know. That's
1: fair. That's fair. But usually, like when when Greg McElroy, when AJ McCarron, when they had these national championship seasons and came back the following year, I don't think anyone was like, "Yeah, but I mean, hopefully our quarterback doesn't just like play terrible this year." You know, it's it was like, "Well, we have a national championship winning quarterback. We should we should potentially win it all again." You know, I think mm-hmm. that was that's usually the narrative when you have a returning starter just. Was on a national championship team so it's just interesting how much differently he's talked about i mean i get it that he's not like just the prototype quarterback but like dude dude's played well like he had a had a good season passing and we've seen that he can make some plays with his legs so that's that's my biggest thing like if it was a, a jake Fromm type of quarterback that put up identical stetson numbers mm. Like I feel like I would be more open to like maybe one of these freshmen that comes in. It's got Vandergriff's got some athleticism. Like maybe he could beat him out. Like like Stetson is the guy that's got some of that shiftiness and makes makes some plays with his legs when he needs to. So I don't I don't see him losing this, the the starting job.
0: I have a question, and we'll move into our main event. Do you think Stockton, Vandergriff, Beck, and Bennett are all still on the roster? opening weekend
1: of this season? Mm. Um, I, I think so. Okay. Of this season, definitely, definitely three of the four. I don't see, no, I'm
0: not saying, I know I, I'm saying four of the four. Do you think all four are still Georgia Bulldogs come? Yeah, opening because, kickoff,
1: Because you would think if Becker, if Beck, because Vandergriff is still so young too. Mm. obviously Stockton just came in. If Beck was going to transfer, it seems like he would have transferred as soon as Stetson said he was coming back. Cause he, hmm. he should know, he should be pretty sure he's not the starter when the, the, The starter just the incumbent starter just won a national championship, so I think I would think it's safe to say that he's in it for the long haul. Like J.T. Daniels, like that's the attrition you saw. Like he was the one that had one more year to play, but I think Beck, you know, he's still got. And when you win a championship, I think that just that just changes everything. Like you want to be now. You've seen. You know, you've seen the actual tangible results. Like this team l- can win a championship. I want to be the guy that wins a championship for them. So, you know, maybe Beck only gets one year or two years, but maybe that's that's enough to to win a championship.
0: Maybe, maybe we shall see, Matt Green. We shall see. So, main event: the top transfer quarterbacks in twenty twenty two. You've got a list. Let me re- let me run it down. You got Kale Williams, Max Johnson, J T Daniels. Spencer Rattler, Quinn Ewers, which is kind of wild that he's a transfer when he hasn't even played a snappy. <laughs> like he did, like he ba- he enrolled early and just never left. He just got the bag and transferred. Shout out to him. Um, Jackson Dart, Dylan Gabriel, and Keaton Slovis. How do you yeah, want to do you, this, Matt Green? Is I this in to, order?
1: I want you to rank these in, in your in your order.
0: How am I ranking it? What's the criteria?
1: That's a good question. Um, I would say criteria just common common wisdom total package just who's going to have the best season like however you judge best season if it's putting up huge numbers obviously with its with a quarterback team Mm -hmm. success is involved in that so just all around like who who's having the best season of these guys
0: I'll say one Caleb Williams two Jackson Dart three Mm -hmm. Dylan Gabriel 4, Keaton Slovis, 5, JT Daniels, 6, Max Johnson, 7, Quinn Ewers, 8, Spencer Rattler.
1: Okay. See, you're not on the Spencer Rattler train. See, no. See, you, you did your list very... That is my order right there. Is it really? This, this order we have it in. Okay. I think I'm, I think Max Johnson is someone people are sleeping on a lot. Like okay. I think he's the kind of guy that AM needs, like just the steady, dependable quarterback that can that can just utilize all the talent they have. You know, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, we don't know that he's going to win the job, right? Like Haynes yeah. King. Haynes King was supposed to be the starter last year, but I think Max Johnson's got a lot more experience. I like. Whoever Texas A and M ends up starting, I think you know should be in a good situation. Caleb Williams seems like the easy number yep. one, just because we saw what he could do. I think the Pac twelve competition is going to be worse. I don't know. There's he just got to figure out which way to go into the practice facility. Did you see that <laughs> he went the wrong way? Yeah. It's just I like I don't put too much pressure on coaches in year one. I just think. You know, it doesn't really matter how good of a coach you are. Sometimes the way a certain situation is year one, you know, it's kind of a free year. But USC could easily just win 10, 11 games and and win that conference year Mm -hmm. one. And we wouldn't know. None of us would be surprised. JT Daniels, like we talked about, I think last week, like I think he could really make West Virginia a sleeper and a kind of wide open Big 12.
0: I forgot it's that been- Graham Harrell was their new OC. Did you did you see that? I forgot that when he left USC and USC cleaned house that he he went over to join Neil Brown staff. That they're running the air raid this year.
1: There you go. JT Daniels mm-hmm. did his homework, sir. Yeah. Um and then Spencer Rattler, I know you're not I couldn't put Quinn Ewers higher because we've just yeah. never seen him play a game. Like I mm-hmm. just Spencer Rattler, I don't know, the more and more I think about it, it's like the SEC East is not a gauntlet in in 2022 okay like it's yet georgia obviously on south carolina's schedule georgia luckily doesn't have to play georgia they get to play everybody else but south carolina like tennessee as good as they are they're up and coming their their defense was nothing special last year like kentucky i just i can never take kentucky too seriously like the more and more i start to think about it like i feel like i'm getting higher and higher on the game cox like i feel like well, I, I think the Gamecocks like have a higher Rattler.
0: ceiling and I think Kentucky has the higher floor where it's like, it's going to be really fair. hard for Kentucky to implode. Like they're like, they cannot go worse than like eight and four, seven and five, but Kentucky, like South yeah, Carolina we'll a bowl could, game. Right. But South Carolina could either go to like, like you said, a Spencer Rattler is what you think he will be this year. Like the, the upside from six, like they could go from either you, basically them going four and eight. Or ten and two would not surprise me. Like depending on how things go. Like the the spectrum with yeah. South Carolina is far more uh, far more diverse than I think Kentucky.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. So I feel like Spencer Rattler is is going to have a good year. And I do not. <laughs> I, I think we'll we'll see. I think I think a lot of people like they forget how good his freshman year was. Like mm. it, you know it had its they had its bumps early, but. They really got it together and he had a good freshman year like not a lot of teams had a caleb williams as a backup quarterback just you know waiting over your shoulder so there's a lot of guys that have gotten binged if caleb williams was their backup so
0: well noted toxic situation norman oklahoma under lincoln riley it, it was a toxic situation that he had to get out of
1: <laughs> there you go so who knows i think you know we've all seen the culture beamers bill and then in, in, uh, in columbia i've heard so, about it I, i've so, heard <laughs> so you know maybe maybe there's something to it maybe can they he's, keep he's it? comfortable how
0: about this how about this south carolina can you give us a game past the first quarter how about the past the five minute mark
1: <laughs> how about that we'll see we'll see what happens but um uh dylan gabriel i feel like is the one that i feel like everyone is so sure oh it's oklahoma he's gonna plug in and he's gonna throw 40 well, just touchdowns levy. he and... has the
0: history at ucf levy was the put up the heisman numbers with levy back with but Heifel. it's not
1: lincoln riley Hmm. It's not Lincoln Riley, so I'm just saying I would. Uh, I'm not as just. grand his slam hell on me. Dylan Gabriel. There's his that is hell. too.
0: Like his, I think Gabriel. If he plays 12 games, he's going to be a Heisman type guy. If he gets hurt again and he deal, he's still as injury prone as he's been. Then like, it's just there. Oklahoma is in trouble because there's not a lot of depth there anymore. But is
1: Oklahoma going 11 and one? Like, no. are they going 10 and two? Like, good enough to be in that Heisman conversation? Like. I don't know that he's going like it feels like Oklahoma fans don't realize what's happened to them yet. You know, it's like hmm. well, we're still local it's like they need a year of losing like 3 or 4 games. It's like oh shit. We, well it's uh, good this is happening before they going to the Riley. SEC anymore. Well this is good yeah, that they're like, getting I'm it out. I just not and I'm not sure like I'm just not sure of what Venables is going to be like. I don't know what kind of head coach he wants to be. Like we've seen him hire a guy like you know Jeff Lebby, so that's a good clue on what he what he wants to do on offense. But you know, there's a lot of CEO things going on with every head coach. Like that's basically the job. So we don't know how well will Venables can uh, Brent Venables can do that at this point. So
0: great press conference guy though.
1: Yeah, he won the press conference for mm-hmm. sure. So there, there is that. And then I also feel like Jackson Dart. I'm not as high on Jackson Dart. I'm right. high on Dart. It's I'm just... buying
0: this. I'm buying the Dart stock. You got Zach Evans now in the backfield, transfer from TCU. Kiffin's loaded up in the are portal. You just,
1: are, do you just buy Lane Kiffin that much that you just think <clears throat> Jackson Dart's gonna come in no problem? Lane Kiffin's I, gonna I get do. the most out of him.
0: I think you that just won be. ten games. Kiffin in that offense and seeing what he just did with Matt Corral dart i think actually has more talent and more upside than corral that like i don't know i i would be surprised if jackson darts not a star in uh in oxford mm. i'd be surprised i'm
1: uh i can't wait for our scc our win totals mm. pod because uh I just have a lot of feelings on teams going going both ways. So the West
0: is just going to be a bloodbath because we're going to do this yeah. and we're going to like write down our and it's like oh the math doesn't work here. I can't have this many eight and four or seventy <laughs> five. We're like oh god, someone has to lose games. Like someone in the SEC West has to go three and nine. Someone does, and I don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be someone that's just like they can't go three and nine. It's like somebody has to. It's just the only I think way. We this all works. know
1: who's going to go three and nine.
0: Do you think it's Auburn?
1: It's gotta be Auburn, right? They're the biggest three and nine candidate.
0: Well if it's Auburn, then Harson's out. Like you can't go three and nine at Auburn. Like Mississippi
1: State, as much as 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 irrelevant as Mississippi State feels, they're not gonna go three and nine. They they're gonna go to a bowl game. Like so I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. Ole Miss is the one that I um I think is gonna take a step back. Hmm. I mean I can see see it.
0: I could see it. I mean, they're going to take a step back in terms of, like, they just had their first win season ever. They're not going to get 10-2, yeah.
1: But they could be, uh, be risking bowl eligibility type of season. Like, I, hmm. I wonder. I got to – we'll see. I got to do some, some research before we get there with Ole Miss.
0: I just, I'm excited to see what happens there because the Will Rogers, they're just completely different guys. Like Jackson Dart, there's so much flash and big names with Kiffin and he's, he leans into all the transfer stuff. And then you have Mike Leach talking about like, look, I, the portal's good. And I just had on, um, a Hale Varsity writer and we were talking Huskers for a little bit. And one of the things I think he had on Mike Leach on the Hale Varsity podcast not too long ago. And Leach said like, we need a transfer portal window. Like, it's just, that's the bare minimum of what we need. And, like, it's just the common sense stuff where it's like, Mississippi State's not going to go all out. Leach is not going to be a guy who utilizes social media and utilizes the NIL era where it's like, oh, yeah, you come to Starkville and uh, it's just going to be this, this, and this. And it's just going to be so fascinating to see Leach versus Kiffin over the next couple of years because, yes, both are offensive guys that put will put – out fun offenses on the field every week but it's just a totally different culture and a totally different vibe and way of going about things that i am just so curious to see who is more consistent because i don't think either can win the west ever but i am curious like which one is left standing longer between the two i i'm very curious because i don't think both can just be solid year over year
1: is their friendship good for the egg bowl though
0: hmm
1: like I feel like the Egg Bowl just seems one of those dirty rivalries, like like Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen, like mm-hmm. that's one of those few rivalries out there that it seems like they legitimately like hated each other, like yeah. they felt like the fans felt like the coaches felt like the Mississippi State fans and Ole Miss fans, like that's a that's a heated rivalry. I feel like but these coaches being buddy buddy. I wonder if that's as good as it would be if. They were just taking shots at each other in the media like if that would be if that would be more entertaining it's not their job to entertain us by any means but no it
0: actually is like part of their job (laughs) is to entertain us you're paid a lot of money to entertain the fans and to get butts in seats and like get people to watch your games like that actually is part of their job is to be entertaining um uh i don't know i'm curious keaton slovis is probably one of the bigger wild cards and then Quinn Ewers could easily be number one on this list because Quinn Ewers has the most talent of any quarterback on this list. So in terms of just raw talent and pedigree and what we heard about this dude, it's because he's just been apart from the conversation for so long. Cause he went and hit hid in Columbus for a year to get his money and come back when he never, I don't think had an intention of playing in Columbus um, comes back home to Texas. And I just, we've seen the Sark offense. We know that he's had success in a multitude of ways at UW and at USC and obviously Bama, but like Quinn Ewers should be number one. Like the whole point of all of this is like, he was the number one quarterback in that class. He was looked at as like an immediate plug and play guy. He's going to be a star. He's more upside than Sam Ellinger, like more upside than the Colt McCoys of the world. Like theoretically Quinn Ewers should be the guy. Like he should be number one. And that's why I'm so curious about what Texas this year is that I want to see it because that would be cool. If Quinn Ewers is as advertised, that makes the Big 12 and Texas far more interesting because if Hudson Card is their quarterback for 12 weeks this year, like you're like, "Oh, that's that's a bad sign if Quinn Ewers is not not the guy."
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. And he I just didn't know where to put him on in my mm-hmm. rankings to be honest. Like I just he he could be that number 1 and and if he is, like Texas is a legitimate college football playoff contender, mm-hmm. so we'll. Uh, I always, uh, I always expect big things of uh, big-time coaches in year two. So this could be the year that Sark and Texas uh, go ahead and just win the Big 12 and get in the playoff. Who knows?
0: That could be uh, another jot that down, Matt. Your two coaches that you uh, that we believe are going to make the biggest leap. That could be mm-hmm. another main event. I will jot that down. <laughs> Jotting it down now. <laughs> uh matt green i think uh it's on me next week uh for a thing well we already know we're gonna do non-transfer uh quarterbacks biggest uh biggest transfers non-quarterback transfers yeah um and hopefully no other big ones happen after that emory jones is still out there um are, are there any other big names out there still at the moment i think that's the last big one right
1: um. Yeah, I can't think of any others. Is Emory the Auburn Jones, quarterback I know is in there. Uh, is Emory Jones a big one? Like, well, I mean, big in is, terms. Where is he going to end up? Like,
0: I don't know. Arizona State?
1: South Florida? Like, well, it should be
0: Arizona State. Like, they don't have anybody, and it's like, what are you doing? You might as well, because Jaden Daniels is gone. LSU and.
1: But is he is he a power five quarterback?
0: Arizona State's got to take what they can get. They lost their whole staff. They're under investigation. There's all kinds of chaos. Do you know,
1: is Arizona State in the conversation Yeah, they are. Okay. And they were in the conversation with JT. Who are the names? Is there anyone else that they are looking at Emory Jones? Do you know?
0: Uh, I do not. I do love that my favorite transfer portal story was uh, the San Diego State quarterback from last year transferred to an FCS school to start at uh, Montana. I love that. I want more of that where an FBS player goes – this isn't good enough for me. I'm not having a good time. Yeah, we won a lot of games, but not really enjoying it. I think his name's Lucas Johnson, but he, uh, he's going to be the Montana quarterback after a great year. Who goes FBS to FCS? I love that.
1: Montana's kind of a powerhouse, though, right, at yeah. their level? So, yeah, that is, that is weird to see, though. San Diego like, State. Leave San Diego State for Montana. I don't know. Different vibe. As a college student, that's a questionable decision
0: he might just be a big grizzly guy he might be he might be a fan of the big sky
1: big sky guy
0: Mm -hmm. matt green we can follow you on twitter at matt underscore w underscore green follow myself at jason underscore thomas but uh for all the great college football and uga stuff go ahead and give matt a follow today if you have not already done so uh matt green always a pleasure and uh i will talk to you next week
1: everything's cool
0: All right, we're back here on the Chase Most Podcast where I am joined by a first-timer who makes me feel like I am not as a uh, voracious reader as himself. Because the, the collection behind Brandon Vogel of Hale Varsity is vast and impressive and even features a very, very old football that I can only believe was... Tom Osborne's original football that was given to him as a child. Is that is that where that came from?
2: We'll go with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom Osborne and I share an alma mater. He, he mm-hmm. did not attend the University of Nebraska, at least mm-hmm. not as an undergraduate. He went to Hastings College, small liberal arts school, which is where I did my undergraduate work. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll say I found it, you know, downstairs beneath the gym at Hastings College one day and uh, figured out, ascertained that it was Tom Osborne's.
0: Where is uh, Hastings College? I've never heard of that. Where is it?
2: It is in Hastings, Nebraska, which okay. is a town of about 25,000 people, uh, just a little, about an hour and a half from Lincoln,
1: hmm. so
2: kind of central Nebraska, but yeah, it's where Tom Osborne grew up. It's where he went to school. Uh, his, his name is on the on the football facility there, so uh-huh. Bill, Bill Parcells uh, was an assistant coach at Hastings College at one point.
0: Small world. small world a lot of football talent there we got and i mean look when i think football i think tom osborne brandon vogel and bill parcells it's the big trio
2: (laughs) it's not the first time i've heard that of course no yeah (laughs)
0: um well we're gonna talk some nebraska football because i think nebraska is in such an interesting position now and for the good folks who um who are tuning in and they're not nebraska fans guess what here is how you prepare yourself for nebraska you go to hillvarsity.com check out his work and all the great team over there um it's a great website go subscribe go do that today to get ready and keep up with things because brandon Things are getting more and more complicated for college football fans. And I've talked about this, and this will be on uh, the the national college football show here, but um, it's just so hard to keep up with it if you're an average fan now. The transfer portal is can be good for both players, um, but also difficult for the average fan because you'll ask somebody here in the South, like I'm in Tennessee country, I'm a Tennessee student and everything, and I they have no idea. Like you just ask them, they, like they know everything about Tennessee football, but they're like, I don't even, I, I can't. I don't know where anybody is anymore. Like it, most people don't know. Bo Nix is over there at Oregon now, and right. it, Zach Calzada is going to take the field for Auburn, and nobody. And they're like, is that the Texas m guy who beat Alabama last year? And then for your team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, Adrian Martinez is now at Kansas State, who where I think that will pro- it's a really good fit, and I think that should be good for him. But then you insert Casey Thompson, former Texas quarterback. And you're like, uh, is that Chuba Purdy? Is that the guy? Is that Brock Purdy's brother? Is that the Florida State guy? Is he now in Nebraska? And you're just, it's amazing, this transition. Like, are you even having to remind yourself when you're covering this team this spring? You're like, okay, who is that? I know that number. Is it? Does it make it more difficult uh, for you guys to keep up with even just your own team?
2: It, it definitely does. I mean... And you can get your arms around it when it's when it's maybe just one team, mm-hmm. but you know if you just even follow the quarterbacks, like the well-known quarterbacks, it kind of tells you where we're at as a sport. As you mentioned, Nebraska's four-year starters probably going to be the starter at K-State. Mm-hmm. Texas's starter is going to start at Nebraska, probably. Oklahoma's initial starter probably going to lead the Gamecocks, and their other starter is going to lead USC. The other USC um so it's just it's it's really bizarre and it's it's not gonna slow down like yeah we, we we just put out um our April issue of of hail varsity and I just did an entire feature like tracking the big 10 just mm-hmm. one conference for fans because it's it's hard to find a waypoint I've started now in January I just set up an attrition tracker post that's live on our site because it's yeah like, here you go you're gonna get like 12 or 14 names out and 12 or 14 names in and you got to learn it's it's I mean it's it's interesting I spend a lot of time in the offseason I frequently described as quote-unquote a numbers guy so I like you know kind of projecting and figure seeing where other people project teams but I don't know how that changes in this mm-hmm. current era with this amount of turnover
0: Yeah, I just it is what it is. I I think what would help and I think this is something that's probably the best case scenario is you have portal windows where it makes it easier where it's like people can just know I'm not going to dive in until the window closes. Then it's like, all right, it's done for a while. Like this is where they have to stand pat. They're here. And then you just dive in. That's when you do the deep dive on every different team, because right now it's just. Like even in spring, like we're waiting to see like who's going to enter the portal. Like Tennessee's going to add one more receiver. Like they're waiting to see what other spring situations look like. And they didn't get Isaiah Nair, who changed his mind at the last minute, committed to Texas and signed with them. And that was a big spot. So guess what? They're going to keep poking around. Like Emory Jones is still just out there. And I, uh, I don't know. I think that would be super helpful: is establishing some sort of transfer window where it's like. At this point you can enter and at this point you can enter and then that's it. Like that's it for the year because I understand that this; these are all great things for the player and that's a good thing, but it's still ultimately you need people coming to these games. You need people to still be as invested as they were before the portal. And part of that is that, like, hey, we have to make this still somewhat easy or not easy, somewhat realistic for a lot of these fans to recognize the product and to still know where people are and have fun reading the blogs and reading the depth charts and just going to games and knowing who's who, like that's still an important part of it because the NFL can do free agency. Like there's 32 teams. You can see all that. There's no overwhelming sense of like, Oh man, who's where, whatever. This is 130 teams, man. Like this is, this is a lot, lot more. It's far more vast and complicated that I don't know. We're still in such an early stage that like, do you get readers who are like, "Wait, he's on Nebraska now. Wait, wh- where is he?" Or like, do most fans just go, "Oh God, is if Purdy loses, do we have to be careful with how? Uh, does Scott Frost have to be careful with how he defines the quarterback um, competition because he doesn't want to lose Purdy before the season because yeah. you want to keep him as your backup if that's the case? Like, that's a new new part of this. And I mean, I I just I couldn't. Coaches are compensated well, so this is something that they should be. Uh, like, hey, it's part of the deal. You're compensated well, like this is, it makes your job tougher, but like that's part of it. But I also empathize, man, where it's like, every word matters, how you do these competitions matter because the fear of the portal is so real. And I don't know, it's, it's a lot.
2: It, it really is. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I was having that exact same conversation, not more than a, a couple of hours ago. Mm-hmm. Nebraska had a projected starter on the defensive line. Uh, put his name in the portal which we know Nebraska's done with spring football they had their mm-hmm. spring football game last week so it's like that time but we had Mike Leach on our, our radio show last week and he said exactly what you said like and you know these coaches whether they're personally for or against the the portal they kind of have to come out and say that they're yeah mostly okay with it unless you're Davos yeah. <laughs> um, but he said you know We need we need windows. And I Mm. and I agree. I agree with that. Like you could open it up post season, probably post spring, you need to do it Mm. again. But at a certain point, you just need to be like, okay, it's June one, it's June one. Our roster is set for however long amount of time. And you know, I I personally I think the players have more than earned the right to to have this newfound freedom. And Mm. I am for that. But to a certain degree, there just need to be some some sort of limitations there. I think that would make things easier because you made a really good point. It's still early enough that I don't think we've seen the total impact this has on college football fans in mm-hmm. general. Um they're still just kind of trying to keep up with everything like, like, like all of us. So that'll be interesting to watch, you know, does it diminish people's interest in the game? If it becomes, you need a roster where you've been going to games for 10 years, 20 years, and you never used to need that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you got to think about, um, in terms of just that, that game day engagement where it's like, I remember there was a game this fall where I had a random Tennessee fan who was just like, where's Teon? and it was like oh yeah he just entered the portal and dipped like he ran all over mizzou he's this guy we're like oh do we have our next alvin kamara this is awesome and then he's just gone harrison bailey middle of the season just gone and that's like the window where it's like the egregious stuff where it's like you can't leave during the season like we can't do that we can't leave have the middle of the year where it's just like they're in the portal and then they're just gone because these quarterback rooms i think is the most precarious situations where like Suddenly you're down to nothing. Like you're down like to walk-ons at a lot of places because these guys aren't even playing anywhere else. They're just all in the portal and waiting for that next spot. And I I just I don't think that's fair to the coaches. I don't think that's fair to the guys in front of them. It's also not fair to the people who pay a lot of money who go to these games, the season tickets and everything else. Where it's like, man, I don't know. Your nil stuff is positive. These are all great things, but. They're part of the appeal, I think, for so many fans, especially in SEC country for so many years. And what I grew up around was just that like, you when you found that guy, when you guys found your Eric Crouch, when you had that guy, you didn't have to worry that they would just, this would be a year to year type deal that you were like, okay, I can watch this guy grow and not have to look over our shoulder every single week that he might leave because poaching's a real thing. And if he gets a better NIL stuff, like it, that is something that, college football administrators have to think about is this that like oh this is going to turn away a lot of folks who really want to do that because then you're just a, a variation of the pro league like that then you're just a variation of that and part of the amateurism and i understand that that's like needed to be redone forever it's just there are ramifications like you ha- you can open pandora's dot- box and say that like it was good to do this but also say that like hey there are gonna be real ramifications and this is gonna turn a lot of people off. And when it when attendance is already going down every single year, this is something you have to prioritize. Like we have to fix this before it becomes a, too much of a problem and like we can't get it back. And I, I don't know. It's it's a lot of change really quickly for a lot of fans who went decades of college football being what it was to just being like, now everything's changed and good luck. And it's not like they're not inching them along it's i i don't know that's just kind of how where i'm at
2: yeah i find myself as just like a, a fan of college football like mm-hmm. the, the entire sport and uh i find myself really conflicted because mm-hmm. for on one side i i long for this sport to make sense and you mm-hmm. could argue or at least I think it's, it's kind of defined by not making sense. Right. You know? It's like, we never bothered to officially declare a national champion. And even now we, you know, we had the whole playoff expansion that's happening, it's not happening. It's happening or not happening for these reasons. And I find myself thinking, well, you know, we need something like transfer portal windows, which, you know, really feels like a pro league mm-hmm. an expanded playoff, particularly if you got to one where, Every conference champion, is it? Well, that's yeah. basically like pro sports. And mm-hmm. so I kind of, I constantly go back and forth. Do I want college football to feel more like the pros or do I not? Because I'm I'm one of those weird people who watches a ton of football. I watch almost no NFL. And, hmm. you know, like I, I I really can tell you like hardly anything about the, the NFL because for me, like I'll pull up a Georgia Southern App State game and rewatch that on a Sunday rather hmm. than watch the NFL.
0: Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people like that, but I, I'm I'm not one of those, I will say. Like at uh, the Falcons, yeah. you see that behind. But I, but I enjoy them both for very different reasons. And that's the other thing. It's like it the closer it gets to the NFL, it's like uh, I I'm, I'm watching college for an entirely different reason. And like I'm against the expansion of the postseason. I'm against the playoff in general. Like I think the reg- I think college football is a regular season sport and a rivalry sport. And when you move further and further away I think you it defeats the purpose and the ethos of what college football has been best at. Like you said, it's a mess, and we like that mess. But it's also just that, like, it's about Tennessee, Florida. It's about Nebraska. Um, well, <laughs> Big Ten's changed a lot of what uh, Nebraska football was, which make, bears the question. I'm curious for someone who interacts and knows so many Nebraska fans. Like, when you now being in the Big Ten for a while now, what game have you found both you miss the most? in the big 12 games that you you lost with the move? And what have fans missed most? Which particular matchup, was it Colorado? Was it Texas? Which loss has hurt the most?
2: Yeah, it's it's a really tricky question to answer because Nebraska mm. has kind of a weird weird history with this. It doesn't have kind of the classic Florida, Tennessee or Alabama, mm. Auburn, you know, it, it's it's one of those handful of schools that's really the only game in the state in terms mm. of there's no other, you know, FBS level programs playing. So, like, Nebraska-Oklahoma, when I was growing up, like, that was the big rivalry. The first Mm -hmm. Nebraska game I ever went to was Nebraska-Oklahoma, and it was beat Oklahoma, beat Oklahoma, and it was the team Nebraska couldn't beat for a Mm -hmm. long time. Um, So once that went away, so when they moved to the Big 12, that meant they didn't play Oklahoma every year. Colorado was kind of getting good at exactly the right time to kind of step in and fill that a little bit. I still think most Nebraska fans would say Oklahoma, but they've been apart for, for so long at this point. I mean, Nebraska entered the Big Ten in 2011, that even those, like Nebraska played Oklahoma last year, and it was great. It was nostalgic, and they'll play again this year, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's fun in that way, and they played Colorado recently, but Nebraska just exists as this program that kind of has a very fluid sense of rivalry Uh, Mm. and a lot of people like entering the Big Ten, you know, I know a lot of people didn't want to kind of Iowa was a fairly natural rival, right? Yeah, it's a couple hours away. It's right there. Um, Nebraska fans didn't seem to be into that as an idea, hmm. but now it's really picked up steam at the fact that Iowa's won six straight in that series uh, helps with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it a lot easier to to dislike the Hawkeyes if you're a Husker fan. Uh, you know, if they, they weren't kind of the punching bag you occasionally played from the Big Ten. So I would say Iowa has kind of stepped in to fill that void a little bit. And as Nebraska is in the Big Ten for ongoing like I think that'll become pretty natural for me Hmm. as somebody who you know covered Nebraska only for a year but you know in in the big 12 and then was there for that switch like it it was fun from a sports writer perspective because you had an entirely kind of new universe that you you now explored um I really like the Nebraska Wisconsin game I really Hmm. like going to games at Madison it's probably my favorite place in the big 10 um how many uh, have you been to
0: how many Big Ten venues have you been to now?
2: I've been to all of them at this point. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. What's
0: the best atmosphere? Or best uh, tailgate? For- How about this? Best tailgate. Where did you enjoy the most tailgating uh, as a Nebraska fan on the road?
2: Yeah, that's tough. I don't get to do a ton of tailgating. I would yeah. say Michigan has a great setup. Like there's tons hmm. of green green space around. Um, really lively atmosphere. Wisconsin is, you know, Madison, it feels very much like you're in the city. So it, it's kind of interesting in that regard. That's probably the best atmosphere for me. I mean, jump around if you've never gotten the chance to see it. Mm-hmm. It may not be at the the top of a lot of, you know, college football fans' bucket list. But in my opinion, it, it deserves to be. It's it's really, really impressive. Uh, obviously, Ohio State is, mm-hmm. um, it, is a great place to, to visit, too. And honestly, you know, the first – to the first time I went to Rutgers, and then Maryland was the last one that huh. Nebraska played that I hadn't been to. But I thought Maryland, I thought Rutgers had a really nice kind of atmosphere around it. And you know, for some of these, like the first time Nebraska was there, you know, there are Husker fans in New Jersey and New York area, and of course, you got alumni everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. So.
2: Those, those first times Nebraska played at these places, I felt like you got a little bit maybe of kind of the, the red carpet experience, so it might be different uh, the more often you get back there. But all in all, you know, the Big Ten was a, a conference that I kind of looked down on <laughs> when I was, you know, just <laughs> – not out there as a Nebraska fan necessarily, but just followed the big 12 and right. know, they were always the, along with the pack 10 at the time, the, the conference that was, you know, like we're going to play the Rose bowl and we don't care if it gums up everything. So, but having been in the conference now for a decade and recovering it, um, I've come to, I've come to enjoy it.
0: That's cool. Um, when you look at this quarterback battle, it looks like it's not going to be Chubba. It's going to be Casey Thompson, um mixed bag at texas um to this point he had a weird competition with hudson card obviously last year and that back and forth so it's really hard to get a read on like what casey thompson's going to be but when you think about what adrian martinez was for this offense and what scott frost asked him to do, do you, what do you think is going to be different in terms of what casey thompson showed in the spring and what you think scott frost will allow him to do that will be different than what folks saw the last couple of years with adrian
2: yeah. So in in addition to changing the quarterbacks and, you know, those Casey Thompson in particular have, a bit, have a, big, a bit of a different uh, skill set that Adrian Martinez does. Uh, we've also got a Mark Whipple. So I yeah. think if they're able to run the offense that they want, it'll be a little, there's going to be drastically less QB run, at least I mm. think so, you know, and that was the thing with Adrian Martinez. He was, he was so good at that piece of it. Mm. Um, that he got nebraska out of a lot of jams um just with his kind of individual ability which is a great card to have in your hand but it's not an offense on its own so nebraska over these you know past four years of scott frost era has been a program or an offense that has put up a ton of yards Mm-hmm. and the points have not followed to the degree that they have and i think that mostly explains why nebraska's at where it's at going into year 5 under under this coaching staff so does a quarterback who i don't want to I, I hate to use the term game manager but who's mm-hmm. a little bit more of a pocket presence you know maybe a little bit cleaner of a decision maker in the passing game doesn't give you as much run threat can that help Nebraska kind of get those points and yards a little bit more in line with what you'd expect from a, a team putting up the, the yards of, that Nebraska has? I think that's the hope for Casey Thompson. I, right now, I, You know, if Nebraska played tomorrow, he would be the starter. Mm. Uh, about that, like Nebraska's spring game, they were dealing with a ton of injuries, showed virtually nothing. Um, mm. But it was only Chubba Purdy's third practice like huh. third full practice he was dinged up for most of the early part of spring and I'll say coming out of that game as much as I'm really cautious about <laughs> having any big takeaways from a spring game yeah uh I was kind of impressed by what I saw from him so hmm. I, I think we can safely assume Casey Thompson is going to be a starter week one um that said I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chubba Purdy kind of pushed a little bit this summer and well it'll make for an interesting fall camp
0: I'm so fascinated because I've been banging the drum of, like, the most underrated coordinator change this offseason was Mark Whipple going to Nebraska, where that was just an under-the-radar, just there's all kinds of transfer stuff, coaching changes, where that was something I just circled, where I was like, hmm, this is, like, what we saw from Pitt this past year with Pickett and that group, it's just, man, you bring in somebody like... Whipple with Frost, like that's two just extremely bright offensive minds where it's like, I feel like those two guys will figure it out. I feel like that is just a really good spot to be in if you're a Nebraska fan, because like you said, the last five years have been just not what a lot of folks had anticipated when you brought him in from UCF. And hey, you and I, our programs were forever linked because of our UCF ties. We got Hypo, you got Scott <laughs> Frost, like, hey, we're, we're UCF all over. Um, But very different, very different. I think uh, Frost and Heupel are wired completely differently based on what I've seen. Um, But, you know, I think there is room for optimism. What did you make during the year, like, the jokes about, like, the best 3-9 and team of all time? Because, like, I'll never forget the Illinois-Nebraska game. Like, my notes, I want to go find my notes, Brandon, because it's like, I... I love that that game was played a week before everything else was so that we could all as America watch this game, which was just an insane football game. But it was one of the great reminders of, like, why we love college football. And I just went and I'm like, I couldn't do the Adrian Martinez experience. Like, that was something I just read. I'm like, I can't. He reminded me of Jared Garantano uh, during the Tennessee years. We're like, dude, he's good. Likeable dude. Everybody likes him. He's a good leader. Good practice guy the talent's there and then you watch the games you're like okay I can't do this experience anymore because like at some point you're just banging your head against the wall that like this is all going to come together but was there any truth to that best three and nine team and that there was a lot of progress and the record kind of clouded where Scott Frost had this team this last year
2: I think so and Mm -hmm. part of that is because that's how I tend to look at football most of the Hmm. time anyway. And that's not unique to Nebraska every year, you know, season's over. First thing I do is I like drop all of the teams scoring differentials in a spreadsheet. And I just look at it and I'm like, Hmm. okay, I mean, like, here's, here's a good example. Nebraska averaged 27, basically 28 points a game last year gave up 22 points a game and went three and nine. Like Hmm. it, it, it just, it, it, it doesn't happen, and I, I have this like this like, system I had used going back to 2007, and that gap between Nebraska's scoring differential and its record is the biggest I have over hmm. over that span. And there's been some schools that were close. I think like 2016 Georgia Tech was a team that was maybe three or four win team that had outscored its opponents on the year. You know, Nebraska had a better scoring differential on the season than Michigan State did. Hmm. And Michigan State went 11 and two, so. It's it's a joke, and, and I, I get why it is. Um, because being the best three and nine team in, in in the country gets you absolutely nothing but more pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's kind of true, and that's looking at the four years collectively. Nebraska's been a little bit that over those first three seasons so going into last year 2021 Mm. there was like things there that said okay well they're probably a little bit better than our record and then last year you got nine games decided by less than 10 points and it was like all of it all at once and you know the the longer that accumulates you have to start asking well is this a team that really has just found ways to lose games has not gotten breaks whatever it is or is that all not happening for a reason Mm -hmm. and i think that's where most nebraska fans enter this 2022 season it's uh i would say you said it's complicated which i think is a good word uh i would also call it tense
0: interesting um are you surprised like are you surprised that they ultimately did bring back scott frost for year five did you think based on how the season ended last year that the three and nine oh and five on the road just it was enough where it was like all right i think we have to change gears here or did you expect him to get one more shot and also do you see this as this is it like you got to go bowling this year to save your job
2: yeah um so last year you know you look at nebraska's situation from a kind of national perspective like frost was on all of those hot seat lists and Mm -hmm. it makes sense like you you have what they have and that's how coaches get on those lists i didn't personally feel that he was on a hot seat going into 2021 as those one score excruciating losses started to pile up i was it kind of got to a point late in the season where like well maybe you have to maybe you have Mm -hmm. no more choice but i think the fact that they were close um and the fact that Trevor Alberts, the new athletic director had just arrived in July and he's a former Husker yeah. and like he and Frost didn't play together, but they just missed each other. Uh, so essentially the same era, like all of that. And it's just the Nebraska
0: had, brotherhood type
1: deal.
2: Yep. So when the announcement came, I was like, okay, I can see doing that. But it came with Scott Frost took slightly reduced salary, um, took a major reduction in his buyout hmm. which takes effect effectively it takes effect october 1st so is this a bowler bus season i think you can just look at what they what they agreed to to even get this chance and say, undoubtedly, it is. It's like, like a
0: two-month tryout. <laughs>
2: it, it, it is. And you, and you can look at Nebraska's schedule. And I try not to do a ton of schedule watching. I mean, it's impossible not to. Like, you look yeah. your team's schedule. You just look at it and be like, okay, well, you should have a good shot there. Might not there. Um,
0: well, you open with Northwestern on the road this year, which another one where I love these early Nebraska games. I, I want this. <laughs> I want these August Nebraska games in my life forever. After last year, I'm good. Let's do this every year.
2: Not just on the road in Ireland.
0: Oh, that's um, right. That's the Ireland game. I forgot about yeah. that. This is the yeah. Ireland game. Are you going?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So that that'll be that'll be fun. I think if you're, it's it's. Uh, I could talk about this for a long time, but I won't. <laughs> um, it, it's super interesting because okay, Northwestern. I think took a pretty expected step back last yeah. year. They just had a ton to replace and whatever, but. Mm-hmm it's still a program that based on the big 10 years, I would say has a stronger, more stable culture than Nebraska has shown it. It is able to have. So Mm -hmm. now I look at this like a bowl game, like (laughs) you're going to take these two teams all the way across, (laughs) across the ocean to play a game, you know, in totally foreign circumstances. And it's a game. And Trev Albert said this at the spring game, he kind of emphasized how important this game is for Nebraska. And I agree because Mm -hmm. it's, when you've lost the way that Nebraska has lost over these past four years, you know, it it would be hard not to have a little bit of a fragile psyche. And now I I would like Nebraska's chances to beat Northwestern slightly better if it were played in the United States. (laughs) Yeah. Let's put it that way. You just introduce a lot of kind of, outside stuff when yeah. you, you choose to do a game like this. So that'll be something Nebraska has to handle because it, it is a vital season. You open with Northwestern, you've got a North Dakota team. That's a pretty good FCS team. you got Georgia Southern now with, with Clay Helton and Oklahoma. And then you get, you know, this is a year you th- want
0: Oklahoma though. This is a year. If you're Nebraska, yeah. this is a year you want Oklahoma,
2: especially at home. It It is. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're big 10 games after that. You got Indiana, which has a lot to prove. You got Rutgers, Illinois, Purdue, and i leaving somebody out. Uh,
0: Minnesota is the end. So this is the schedule that I think will define it. Like you said, this is so interesting, the buyout after October 1st, because October 1st, you get Indiana at home. And I think Indiana is going to be pretty bad again this year. And if you're like 2-2 two two going to that game, like you or 3-1, let's just say 3-1. I think you should be 3-1 there um you you lose either the northwestern game in ireland or the oklahoma game but oklahoma man dylan gabriel it's a lot riding on it's a lot of change and they lost a lot of pieces in the portal and i think oklahoma might have a transition rough rough for oklahoma standards which is like seven and five eight and four maybe um so you're there three and one let's just say that indiana at home four and one you get Rutgers on the road purdue on the road illinois at home minnesota at home that's the schedule it's like you have like that's where we'll define like where they're at if they're moving in the right direction those are all winnable football games um those are all winnable football games and that matters because the murderers <laughs> row that awaits you at the last three i don't know what uh, albers did to deserve this uh early in his ad tenure but he's like hey can we move these games around why are we why are we doing this why are we doing michigan wisconsin and iowa as our closing three um but I don't know. I think the schedule is interesting and I think the, the path when you look at the schedule, it should be bowler you're out because that middle part of the season should be enough where it's like, okay, you prove it, man. This is it. Like you can do this. This is a winnable schedule to get to six wins. But what do you think? Do you think this is a six win situation? I know you don't want to schedule watch yet, but it's April 20th. Brandon, do you think yeah. this is a bowl team?
2: Um, I I do. Okay. Um. And it, I think it's gonna be, it, but it's gonna be close. And we're gonna know by the end of October for what we were just talking about. I think what twenty twenty three Nebraska football looks like from a coaching perspective, at least, mm. by the end of October. Because if you're gonna get there, you want to get the get to six. And I think six would be the number. Like if it if they went six and six, um, it's probably enough to at least give us another another year or two. Um, mm. you got you, you got to do it in that first in those first two months like because not only are, do you finish with Michigan Wisconsin Iowa and this has been the case for the last couple of Nebraska seasons, with how those teams play like the Big Ten much like the SEC is a mm. super physical league mm-hmm. and you know it, it grinds you down you're going to be missing players but in November it's cold um none of which are excuses it's just like but to have to play those teams that are really like kind of classic pro style right. grind you down Iowa, wisconsin um and michigan in this case it's tough so nebraska's got to have some urgency i look at it this way you know we we're talking about them being three and nine and, and having the scoring differential they did nebraska loses a lot on defense they they mm. have to replace some some key pieces there you got a lot on offense that still needs to be sorted out. The talent there is, is pretty good, I think, but mm. not a lot of proven talent in, in some spots. I look at this like Nebraska could be slightly worse if we're mm. trying to determine like their true ability
0: mm. and
2: still end up with a better record. And And some of that's due to the schedule. It's a little bit lighter. At least it looks that way now than last year was. Some of that's just a little bit of, positive regression to the mean because if you lose eight one score games those things eventually uh even out no guarantee it happens this year i suppose but i mean five and 20 in one score games scott frost uh, that's insane four years it's yeah it's which is why for me as someone who sees that like if that were pick a team um if that were louisiana tech Mm -hmm. and i saw that and i would be like I don't know what Louisiana Tech's uh, season win total is going to be, but mm. I'm probably going to take the over. Nebraska's been that for four years now, uh, and it just keeps coming up under whatever it is you'd think. Uh, so maybe maybe I'm a fool to, to expect some positive regression, but I do it for every other team. This one just happens to to be with the team that I cover on a daily basis
0: i'm excited and i think one of the if i'm a nebraska fan my number one reason for excitement is that god blessed us with the big 10 west because the big 10 west is just if you're in that side of the conference like it's just i don't know who's responsible like who is responsible for dividing these divisions up the way they did because it's just the imbalance is unreal it it just it's the haves and the have-nots in the big 10 east and it's very clear and it's like oh what's the path like if you're maryland you're screwed. Like, Mike Loxley, like, you're perpetually screwed. There's no path to Maryland ever figuring this out on the football front. And this is something that I told folks early on with uh, down where it's like, oh, Alabama guy to Maryland. It's like, there's no path. Like, there's, uh, it's not his fault. And you already have, like, mass exodus of four and five stars um, after this past season. And it's like, there's just it's too many roadblocks like that's just too many roadblocks year over year to build a program like that that can also challenge you can't have five behemoths in the big 10 east it's just not not a thing the only way you can get around it is pods and like we're going to see that with the sec i think when oklahoma and texas officially come through and i think that will open up the arkansas and the a&ms and even the tennessee's of the world where like Oh, we don't have to play Alabama, Georgia, and Florida every year anymore? Oh great. So we actually might have a better better shot. But that does hurt Nebraska potentially if you break up the West, because that is something that is just a nice thing that you that you have the West where it's wide open most years and like Iowa has no interest in figuring out an offense. What were they, 99th in offensive efficiency this past year? Like, they have no interest. And they were still number two in the country um, at one point. And I uh, I don't know. I think there's room for optimism. I think you should be a cautious, optimistic Nebraska fan on April 20th, 2022. Mark Whipple's there. Casey Thompson, like you said, not the same upside as Adrian. But it might be just nice to have competence. As a Tennessee fan, Hooker and the competence there... And just the efficiency and just doing what he needs to do week over week and knowing what you're going to get week over week is a nice thing. Like if Casey Thompson is just steady as it goes and just does enough to win those close games and you don't have to worry about just the boomer bus bust aspect, I think it will be yeah. a less stressful season. I think Nebraska is going to be fine. That's, that's where I'm at, Brandon.
2: Yeah, oh, well good i'll uh I'll, I'll get this to as many husker fans as i know um so there you go. That, they can hear it from from somebody you know it's it's always interesting when you're and when you're so closely tied to one team like mm. and every you live every up and down with it Saw it with the transfer yeah. um you know this week you got right. half people they're like oh it's fine it's fine <laughs> you know he was he was a return starter but you look at the numbers; they actually he had like 40 tackles over the past three years, and then other people are just like, "Oh my gosh, this is this guy's happening!" Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, <laughs> you, you talked about Adrian and the boomer bust nature of it, and it sent me back to that that Illinois game because mm-hmm. you know you had that fumble right before halftime of that oh my game, god. which which really kind of swung that one, and then later on he. Go 75 yards yeah. for a touchdown you know, to, to even like get back into it and that right. really was like that's kind of been the story of nebraska for four years um so just some some consistency mm-hmm. uh, like you said week to week i think could make a pretty big difference
0: brandon what can the good folks check out from you and the great team over there at Hale varsity you got a restaurant i saw coming out you gotta <laughs> like you're, you're just expanding all over the place
2: we do um so we've uh recently revealed that but in omaha we are going to open the Hale varsity club mm. uh, which will be a sports bar and restaurant coming in may mm. um so pretty excited about that on a more kind of specifically sports related front like i mentioned our our april issue just came out working on our may issue but then the big thing uh if you're not a hail varsity subscriber if you've never heard of us and you're a husker fan uh Every June, we do our Hale Varsity Football Yearbook, which mm. is 150 pages. We got full breakdowns of everyone in the Big Ten, plus Nebraska's three non-conference opponents. I'm currently working on a bunch of those now. Uh, exciting complement of features in that magazine. And then, of course, position-by-position position breakdowns of the Huskers with the the latest information we can put in there. Though, <laughs> it's <laughs> the transfer portal hasn't made things easy for uh, those of us to still put together a print product yeah. either
1: because
0: you're like worried that like is this immediately outdated like because these guys just could tip and you're like we just uh gave four pages to this player who just entered the portal like can you imagine what are you gonna do if casey thompson enters the portal in may
2: i mean (laughs) we would probably that we could still get that change in june my my, like my nightmare scenario yeah. yeah my nightmare scenario is is like you know whoever we put on the cover of the magazine (laughs) is not is not there uh
0: you might just need to go coach or trevor albers like a vintage trevor albers uh uh, photo maybe
2: yeah Yeah, we're getting to the point where that might end up being the the case (laughs) just come up with find a great illustrator Mm -hmm. and uh turn them loose because it's getting riskier and riskier
0: Maybe that's a new NIL thing where it's like you have to sign an agreement where it's like, hey, we need you here as long as we the, for the local magazines and the local coverage front. Like part of that is uh, making their lives easier, too. Uh, <laughs> that would be great. Brandon, thank you so much for making the time. This has been so much fun. I greatly appreciate it. And good folks, go check out hailvarsity.com. And if you're a local, go to Hal Varsity Club in one month. May's almost here. Go check it out. Brandon, good luck this off season and fingers crossed on the transfer portal front. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much, man. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Lopper. All right. We're back here on the Chase Mouse podcast, where I am now joined by someone who was like, you know, I spend a lot of my day a lot of my time talking about the Colorado Rockies, but you know what I am looking to do more of is come on other people's shows and talk more about the Colorado Rockies because I wanna make sure I have brand uniformity and that my conversations only pertain to the Colorado Rockies. Susie Hunter is here. Susie, how's it going? Hey
3: Chase, thanks for having me on. Yeah, that's pretty much all I talk about these days are the Colorado Mm -hmm. Rockies, Uh, but there's a lot of good things to talk about.
0: Which is weird because the Rockies are just one of the weirder Major League Baseball franchises. And I think that will continue to be the case for the foreseeable future. But we just like all collectively moved on from chris bryant just picking the rockies and nolan arenado just getting shipped out and trevor story not being a rocky anymore and you're like oh they're gonna do a full rebuild this is gonna be a long-term process and then it's like no chris bryant's just he's down with the chill vibes like he's he's got his ring he's like you know what i'm just gonna go win a batting title maybe in colorado have some fun go explore the outdoors have a good time and kyle freeland's like this great success story coming back um being out of baseball coming back he just got gets, gets this extension and they're like okay what do i do with the rockies because part of the thing that i come back to if like if they do have a better than uh expected season it's still just like the dodgers are not going anywhere anytime soon and they're still just this buzzsaw and they look better than they maybe have to this point uh in any previous iteration during the friedman era but the Giants are also not going away. The Giants look like they are they have a really sustainable thing going. And the Padres just, they're like, I don't care how many injuries we have. I don't care how many more prospects we have to trade. A.J. Preller's like, we're getting this thing moving. And you're like, okay, where does that leave Colorado? Um, were you at all surprised, Susie, at their offseason moves and what they elected to go with uh, to kick things off here?
3: You know, I think a lot of people were surprised with the mm-hmm. Chris Bryant signing. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of typical Rockies, too, where they do some moves where you're just like, hmm, why'd they do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, yeah, no one was, of course, surprised that, um, you know, Trevor Story was leaving John Gray was leaving. So, um, you know, a, a weird off offseason. Um, uh, Chris Bryant was a pleasant surprise, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we're pleasantly surprised now at the start of this season.
0: Well, so there's been some up and down. So Brendan Rogers has struggled uh, at the plate thus far. It's still really early. He's got, like, what, 43 plate appearances, so he's it's got time. It's
3: still so early, yeah. I mean, we keep getting so excited. We're like, oh, uh, we're, like, 11 games in. <laughs> mm-hmm. we're like, 12 games in, you know? Uh, yeah, Brendan Rogers, especially today, you could see the frustration in his body language. He was just so, like, full-body frustrated with um, how he's doing. But at least, um, you know offensively he's struggling defensively he's still fine so it hasn't carried over into that part so I'm like okay well he'll he'll figure it out he'll get started Mm. eventually
0: do you think he like he's ready at this point he's 25 like what what is his what is his ceiling do you think they still see him as a potential star do they still see him as what they saw him coming up in the minors for years and there was just a lot of excitement about what he could be is that still there even at his age and where he's at now or is it more of like Let's just hope he's an everyday player, kind of like the Dansby Swanson type deal in Atlanta where Dansby's not going to be a star, he's got this great glove, he's a good core piece, but like he'll hit a lot of home runs at this point, but he's also going to strike out a preposterous amount of times and he's just going to be frustrating in that sense where he'll get in these these ruts and I mean swanson's like rogers where he's just having the season from hell to start things off here but Mm -hmm. do you still forecast rogers as a potential star down the line did the rockies do you think still prioritize him as a important long-term piece
3: yeah that's a great question i mean i definitely think that he is such an important piece um but yeah i mean once we once we get off to a better start with him um you know that consistency is the most important part of course so we'll see We'll see. He got off to a slow start last season too, so mm-hmm. who knows? We'll just wait. We'll be patient. Um, we've got enough going on. We've got enough yeah. good going on right now.
0: Well, you're eight and four, uh, mm-hmm. as of this recording. So for the folks who see that in the so people who are not watching every like non Rockies fans who are just yeah. box score watching and they see, wait, the Rockies are eight and four. How would you explain to them, as someone who's watched every Rockies game to this point, why the Rockies have gotten off to the start that they have?
3: Yeah, um, our bullpen has been very solid,
0: Mm.
3: with the exception of today. We recorded this on Wednesday on 420. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, bullpen has been really solid. Um, You know, we've been getting hits. We've been moving it along. Um, Just some really good baseball, some really good performances, and also – CJ Crone has just been crushing for us. Mm-hmm. He has just been phenomenal. And right now, as we're recording this, he's leading the National League in RBI. So, I mean, we're just getting good production from these guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this offseason. I'm just going to grind some Brad Hop, Todd Helton tape and just see what I got to do to be that next uh, big, big guy in Colorado to just rake uh and see what happens um yeah crone bounced around a little bit but that is obviously a, a fun story early on here um the gritchick situation too like he was kind of someone that was kind of forgotten about um in the offseason movement and he was moved out of toronto um it was an important piece there for a while but he's manning center field here in uh in colorado so you got bryant you got Grichuk and you got black men do you this is a sneaky pretty deep pretty good outfield in Colorado and I think a lot of teams around baseball would love to have the outfield situation that Colorado actually just may have stumbled into here right
3: Yeah, I mean, of course, the outfield is so important in Colorado Mm. because it's just it's massive. There's so much field to cover, Um, but we've seen so much great stuff from Gritchick. Of course, you've seen him robbing Corey Seager's home run down Mm. in Texas. That was just incredible. Um, So, yeah, really happy with what he's doing out there in the field.
0: What can you tell us about Connor Joe?
3: Connor Joe (laughs) is a joy. Um, He has just been he has been in such a groove. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's yeah, and just like such a great guy, such a well liked player too. But he has just been so productive for these Rockies too, and he finally got his first day off today. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, happy to see him getting a little bit of rest. But he's he's phenomenal. We we've been calling it the Joe Flow, both <laughs> in his playing and his hair is super long and fantastic. So he's got it's just it's all coming together for him.
0: Do you think, what part of this eight and four start do you think may not be sustainable? Who have you seen? Is it a player? Is it a play style, the way these games have gone? Is there something that you've just jotted down for your notes of just that, like, okay, this is something to monitor if things do come back down to earth, that this is the reason why?
3: Well, I mean, you know, we've been talking so much about the bullpen, and we've got Mm -hmm. some great guys in there, Um, but, you know, we saw some slip-ups today, so I think that might be something to keep an eye on, and also, if any of our starters get hurt, um, Mm -hmm. we don't really have too much backup there either, so um just something to keep an eye on for sure but these guys they've been doing so well and they haven't even hit their groove yet you know mm. so i think that i think we're in a good spot right now it's a tough division though you know especially mm. we're you know we're in yeah we're in the same division as the dodgers we have the giants uh even the padres um so it's a tough division for sure but mm. um you know we've been holding our own we uh beat the Dodgers in that opening series so I think I I think we've got some some good things to come
0: what's been the best part so when you're going to these games and you're seeing this is are you seeing a lot of Bryant jerseys are you seeing a lot of folks did that kind of like up the energy going into this year when you move on from two just franchise guys in uh story and Arenado in recent years that like oh this we brought in another star and this is someone who should be here for a while and keep get this thing back on track are you seeing a lot of excitement for chris bryant being in a colorado uniform this year
3: yeah yeah i'm definitely seeing i yeah i've started to see more and more bryant jerseys Mm. Uh, i think the excitement factor will go up when we finally get our first home run out of him but he's been productive (laughs) he's been great fans are really excited about him um so yeah the i it's it's a really good energy right now at courts field
0: what is the You've been, I think, was it last year that you went on the, the ballpark tour that all was, around? Yeah, 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 that was
3: last year. Yep, i okay. to every major league ballpark.
0: What was your favorite?
3: Okay, so I'll give you my uh, top five, all right? Okay. Because I can't possibly pick a favorite. And these are just the ones that I had not been to before. I'm going to uh, guess Truist I- did
0: not make the top five. I'm guessing Truist Park did not make the top five.
3: It did not. You know, it's a fine ballpark. It did not mm. make my top five. Um, okay, so I loved Seattle. Okay. Um, I loved the new Ranger Stadium, the new Globe Life. Um huh. it's hideous on the outside, but <laughs> inside I just think it's beautiful. It's like a little course field, right. um, and it's a modern Marvel. Um, I love Pittsburgh. Um yeah. I loved Cleveland. Cleveland huh. is a sneaky, great ballpark and a great city. Hmm. Um, and then what's my what's my number five? This is a good question. It's it's so hard to just like pick these favorites. Mm. Um
0: did you like Camden Yards?
3: Oh, I love Camden Yards. Um, mm-hmm. Do I put it in my top five? I don't know. Um, but those are, yeah, a handful of my favorites. Um, I just, it's, people are like, oh, you're, are you going to rank them? I'm like, I mm. I didn't go on this trip to rank the ballparks. <laughs> like, that's
0: Why did you go on it? What was that? Why did you go on it? Just uh, um, like a bucket list thing? Was there a, a real like reason? Was it something you planned for a long time that you wanted to do? Was it a spur of the moment type thing?
3: Well, you can't really do something like this spur of the moment, um, but you know, I think that a trip like this is every real baseball fan's dream to be able to go mm-hmm. to every ballpark, to do it all in one season. And of course, like the road trip is just such a nice little slice of Americana. Um, mm-hmm. It was just, it was a blast. But um, I was a TV reporter in Connecticut
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, back back at that time. And um, I'm, when my contract was coming up, I was like, okay, I'm so burnt out reporting through the pandemic they moved me to morning breaking news so I was waking up at yeah. like 1 30 in the morning every day oh. so I was like I'm so burnt out I need a break um and I don't I'm not responsible for anyone so I'm like I mm-hmm. can take a break if I need to take a break um and since I, I was like well this might be the only time in my life where I have the opportunity to go on a trip like this because you really have to block out the pretty much the whole season it takes a, yeah. a while especially if you're driving it by yourself um, but yeah, I, I, was just like, you know, I gotta go for it. So I planned it out. I mapped it out. I was like, okay, I can make it happen. But then I also wanted to make sure there was a charitable component to it. So I also mm. used it as a fundraiser for the boys and girls clubs of America. Originally nice. the plan was to visit some boys and girls clubs along the way, but, um, COVID kind of put a, um, didn't allow that to happen, but so yeah, it was a, just an amazing trip. And uh, something I'd always wanted to do and working on writing a book about it. Because really it was just a really incredible season. It was such a, an unusual time to do something like this just because, you know, we had had the shortened COVID season before at the start of the season. There were so many protocols and like things were just changing constantly mm-hmm. and things were kind of better for a while in terms of COVID. And then at the end of the season it got kind of worse. So it was just, it was really special to, see people going to their first games since mm. not going for an entire season it was it was really emotional at some points
0: <laughs> really emotional we're mm-hmm. tear shed at certain points in front of ballparks
3: you know what I didn't see any crying in baseball but mm-hmm. um, I, like I was talking to some older guys at the ballpark who like, yeah you know usually go to a lot of games and like missing a whole season and just missing that piece of their lives. Like you could hear the getting choked up in their throats a little talking Mm. about how much they missed being away, but there was no crying in baseball. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) I don't know what I would do. I'm not, I'm not good around people crying. I can't do it. Can't. uh, It's a, it's a tough thing to be around. Um, I don't know. But that's really cool. I don't, I don't know if I would do it. I don't, I don't know if I could block out. Like, I am just such a regimented person. Like, I'm looking at my, like, daily, like, this. the, the Rockies podcast is right here on my to-do sheet. And, yeah. like, I just, I don't know if I could, the way my brain's wired, I don't know if I could allocate that much time, like, away from, like, a strict regimented schedule like Mm -hmm. that would drive me nuts three days in where i'm like oh god my 10 to 11 is not clearly outlined that i uh i don't know i don't know if i could do it i would like to believe that i could do it but i don't i don't think i could Susie. i think you're 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 wired differently than myself
3: maybe a little bit yeah but it's Mm. you know it's a tough trip to do anyway you can't really have a job while yeah. you're doing a trip like this. Um, and it, it well, hold on.
0: Hold money. on. If re- reality shows have shown us anything, and shout out to The Ultimatum, that's just fantastic. Went through that. I don't know if you've watched that. The Ultimatum no, I is. Oh, you have to watch it, Susie. It's so I've great. I've seen
3: people talking about it online, but I have not watched it yet.
0: It's. Did you watch Love is Blind?
3: I have seen it, yes. I've ha- okay. like, been religiously watching these shows where I'm like, oh, I yeah. have to watch the next episode. Because at some point, I'm just like, Oh, these people are driving me insane
0: yeah that's the great part like I, it's such a great like respite for me from sports and like what i have to like i, I don't know i feel like i it, it's something that gets my mind off just thinking about what the indianapolis colts are going to look like with matt ryan like i need things to like just turn my brain off and not to think about sports or whatever graduate school or whatever is going on mm-hmm. and reality television is just fantastic where if you start off like who you are and you're like i'm a youtuber Influencer and football star. I'm like, oh man, like you sound awful. Let's go. What uh, what can I learn about you in 30 minutes? Like this is going to be great. Um, and the sports renaissance woman got me in all this because like I wasn't watching uh, any reality shows before any of this, but then it was like, oh, this is delightful. I never thought I would be a reality show guy, and I'm like, no, love it. This is incredible content. It's the Darren Ravel thing where it's like, I feel bad for my country, but this is tremendous content, and. I uh I, I love it. Like it's just I I cannot recommend it enough because it's chaos. Like it it should be sports. Like honestly, mm-hmm. there should be a subheading on espn.com for reality shows. Like there needs to be The Ultimatum is basically sports.
3: Um ESPN had at one point a uh, uh like they do fantasy football and all that stuff. Mm. They had Fantasy Bachelor.
0: Oh, okay.
3: And so like I I and I only remember seeing it for one season, but I was in mm. Fantasy Bachelor League for a season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I feel like there's a lot of overlap between people who love The Bachelor and people who love sports. I feel like The Bachelor is kind of a sport in a weird way. So I like actually very much agree with you here.
0: Like you see people like now because they know that they can turn their Instagram into influencer status based on how they perform Mm -hmm. and how they compete on these reality shows where they're like, I got to make a statement. I got to make an impression. I got to ramp up my... Uh, horrific personality, like the, it, it could make uh, a lot of money for me one day, and you got to do it. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. a game. Like there is a, it's something that I could not do, but it is an absolute delight. I don't even remember how did I get on that. How did I just like, the I don't know how I, have I just no went...
3: idea how we got off the rails here, but I yes. love that we got here. <laughs>
0: I don't, I'm going to play this back and I'm going to be like, what? I don't remember how I got here, but. We uh, need a replay. (laughs) Well, it's just funny because like a lot of like, I I saw a friend of the pod, Mark Schindler, who's a great NBA writer for basketball news. And he was, he just posted something like at the random part of like, I think it was yesterday of like April and something about April. And this is a crazy moment. I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about the ultimatum and you're where I know you are. And it's just like, I love that sports guys uh and gals that just they they need that separation you need to do something else like i you cannot be that person who only watches sports like how do you how do you balance it out do you only watch a lot of sports or do you have like something that you can just be like all right i'm not watching baseball tonight i'm doing something else
3: yeah yeah so actually i mean i love sitcoms i'm more of a Hmm. sitcom person um because they don't stress me out like a reality show might stress me out Hmm. so i will watch like I kind of have like a rotation of shows that I'll watch over and over again where it's like, oh, it's comforting to like Mm -hmm. watch an episode and I know exactly what's going to happen. So right now I'm actually doing a Parks and Rec rewatch. That's like a nice, good vibes, not stressful show. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do to unwind at the end of pretty much every day.
0: Oh, wow okay so what are this, what's the rotation are we talking about like five shows four shows that you're okay, just going so, to?
3: Uh, I watched a lot of parks and Rec
0: uh-huh.
3: um new girl is a really good one mm-hmm. um gotta throw something a little darker in there but still delightful Bojack horseman is one that I've watched yeah. so many times that show is a masterpiece I think that's yeah. one of the most brilliant shows ever created um so those are like big those bummer are really though three yeah Bojack's a tough
0: one Bojack what was that? Bojack's a tough one though like I, I don't Bojack, I never thought a show, a cartoon, would hit me in some ways. Like the, the episode early on. Do you remember the one he had where he almost hooked up with his be- his old girlfriend's daughter? And that whole episode yeah. where it's just like, good god, like that show is just brutal. Where it's just.
3: It is, yeah. I mean that that is rough stuff. And like mm. you know, I mean, if you haven't watched the whole thing, you know, I am ha- I'm happy with how the show ended.
0: It was a good ending. It was- I, I'm it...
3: happy with how it ended, um, yeah. but yeah, that show is just, it's so smart. It's so smart and it's so, I think it's the best, like, I don't think I've ever seen depression captured mm-hmm. so well in a series. Um, and, But it's also like, as smart as it is, it also has like some stupid moments that are just like so funny and dumb. So it's just like yeah. such a great balance. I love watching it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Mr. Peanut Butter saves a lot of it. Where it's like Mr. Yeah. Peanut Butter's existence is extremely important to that show. Um, oh
3: my gosh, I'm so glad we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. But yeah, yeah, that's what I do to unwind. I love a love a good sitcom rewatch. Are you a reader? I am a reader. Um, mm-hmm. I if I read before bed, or honestly, yeah, if I read before bed, um, I will just like fall asleep like two sentences in (laughs) okay but yeah i've got a couple of books that i need to to get through
0: that's interesting um sports renaissance woman is the same way where she it like i think there's just two like i she knows if i've been reading because like i get more amped up where like i i have to be careful so there was like one night not too long ago where it was suddenly 2 a.m and i didn't realize that like i'd just been reading on the couch for like three straight hours and i was just completely amped and I have to be careful when I read because, like, it, it just, if I like what I'm reading or like, not to brag, but a little bit of a voracious reader. And I, uh, I don't know. I just have to be careful because it, like, it wakes me up. Like, I don't need coffee. I don't need caffeine or anything. Um, it's just, it, it just gets my mind moving and it's, it's dangerous after a certain time. Like, at this point, we're recording this almost 10 o'clock Eastern time. If I dove into something at this moment, um, it could be a long night. It could be. Oh a my lo- gosh! Yeah, and I don't realize it. Like it's one of those. I just I don't I don't realize how much time has passed. Um, but again, how not nice to brag. Is that, though? I like to Dude, read. That's, yeah,
3: that's so fun.
0: It is fun, I guess. I don't know. I is it fun? Is it fun? A lot. I I guess it's fun. Um, <laughs> is it fun?
3: Are you okay?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. Like if you describe my hobbies out loud to people, they're like, "So what do you do for fun?" It's like I read. I um i watch reality shows sometimes i uh i go for a good run love a good cup of coffee i uh i love not hanging out uh, out really ever like i'm good i'm a, I'm a homebody i'm good mm-hmm. with it i'm 31 i'm retired um in a lot of ways on that front like i'm good i don't know fishing's my jam love going fishing like it's one of the most soothing things in the world um I don't know why I'm listing off all the things that make me old and washed, but that's that's where I'm at. And I'm like, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I am a washed person. Like that's okay though. I'm into it. I'm ready to be washed.
3: I mean, literally, right after this, I'm getting in pajamas and climbing into bed, and it's seven forty-five mountain time right now. Like the sun is still out, yeah. and I'm about to get in pajamas.
0: I can't do that. No, I cannot. I
3: um, no. I'm I'm wiped from this weekend though. Yeah. This Weekend. It's Wednesday. This whole <laughs> week has been a blur. It was so, a long. It was a very busy homestand, but a lot yeah. of
0: fun. <laughs> it's the Liz Lemon thing. Uh, what a week, Lemon, and it's like Lemon. It's Wednesday or Tuesday. What was that line? It was from... Tuesday. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Good memory. Exactly. Thirty there Rock
3: is down. also in my rotation of shows that I I watch a lot.
0: Yeah, I do that just to fall asleep. So like I fall asleep to Ar- Arrested Development just about every night. It's either that or Seinfeld because I've memorized like I know everything that's coming that my brain doesn't work i can't do i can't do silence like i i cannot uh-huh. do silence i have to have something on in the background but arrested development i am out within five minutes so i wonder i've always wondered if like you put it on randomly or from out and about and like someone just puts on an episode of Arrested development do i just like spontaneously like <laughs> fall over and go to sleep like
3: <laughs> <laughs> will you just fall asleep like narcolepsy yeah like turns.
0: That would be incredible. It's kind of a great experiment that I think would be a lot of fun. It's dangerous. I need to be sitting down when this happens, but I think it would be cool to, to learn about That's really I funny.
3: I, that's a really good question for our sleep scientists out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, noted sleep scientists who are big time fans of the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, get back to me. Chase podcast at gmail.com. Let me know. Uh, Susie Hunter, how do the good folks keep up with you and the great team over there at Denver sports?
3: yeah so i uh you can follow me at the susie hunter um the dnvr rockies account is popping right now that's Mm. at dnvr underscore rockies me and patrick lyons who's also on the rockies beat with me uh we we've been putting out some great content Mm. More to come because the season is still young
0: yeah well, I just love that that's a thing because uh, Phoenix obviously has—I uh, don't know, like the how it all works—but just having Phoenix, having Colorado, what y'all are doing is is super cool, and I hope this expands to every major city because local coverage is so important and mm-hmm. it's a different perspective. And just only having national perspectives is just really lame because they just don't have time to examine everything. And exactly. I'd rather learn and read for people that are there every day and that are on the ground. And I think it's yeah. good. So. I hope nothing but the best for you guys over there at DMVR. So, very excited to see what happens and what's to come. But, uh, Susie, thank you so much for making the time, and uh, we'll have to check back in again soon.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, y'all. That'll do it for this edition, the Thursday, April 21st, 2022 edition here on the Chase to Most Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Greatly appreciate it uh, and encourage you. If you like this show, go check out all the other great shows across the Blue Wire Pod Network. We're rapidly growing all the time, and just uh, an amazing collection of talent, and just great work all around. So go check out all of our other awesome pods on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Um, don't forget, folks, if you uh, like this very, if you like this very program, and you have not already done so, go ahead and hit that pause button and leave this show a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Or have it your podcast to help other people find the show and help this show continue to grow tell a friend tell a coworker, tell whoever about this very program here on the blue wire pod network and why you like it and why they should listen to it too um you can also read me yeah i uh, read my latest in sports renaissance man sports renaissance type your email become a paid subscriber today and help me on that front as i dive full into the sports writing and everything else uh uh, right there on the newsletter so sports renaissance man that's me and uh go read my latest on caleb herring and what his uh commitment to the university of tennessee cabals uh means for the program going forward so go check that out if you have not already done so uh you can also watch us on youtube go ahead and uh, subscribe to the youtube channel youtube.com uh the chase most Podcast. that easy um go ahead and check that out today um, chasethomaspodcast.com the hq follow me on twitter at chase double underscore thomas and like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer you can always email this very program as well chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com tell me how we're doing any questions you might have about the program anything like that uh go ahead and do that today uh, yeah uh how do i do